Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson, and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Um, my name's Shira. Good morning. I'm so glad you are here with us today. Um, pastor Bobby, my husband, and Pastor Stephen are traveling to a funeral this morning. So Bobby said, hey, I'd really like you to speak. And I said, absolutely not when he told me what it's about. Um, you see who's up here. Okay, um, so he will be back next week, and I promise he is a much, much better speaker than I. So come back if this is your first time um, or your second time. Please give it another try. Um, we are going, we've been going through a series called Traps and Trolls. Um, and in this series, we have identified some of the traps we fall in, some of the traps that the devil uses against us. And so in week one, we talked about the trap of being offended. Um, Anybody been offended this week? Yeah. Okay. Um, And how do you respond to that offense in a godly manner? Last week um, was a great message. It's a trap of shame and feeling that our past mistakes define us and that we can't live in the joyous life God wants. But God's power is greater than our sin. Um, And so that was a really um, great week. This week is week three, and we're going to talk about the trap of careless words. So when we talk about words, um, we all know that a lot of us use words. I use more words than probably the average human. I feel like I am always talking to myself. Maybe you don't use a lot of words. I use a lot of words. Um, And the good words, the bad words, they matter to God. And we often fall into the trap of having corrupt words. And there are power in your words. Do you guys believe that? There is power in your words. Um, I, I read a study years ago. It was in relating to education, but it was saying that if you tell a child one negative thing and 10 positive things, guess what they think of first? The negative thing. Okay, um, And so our words are important. What we say is important. In Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, God immediately said, let there be light. And there was light. I can't say, let this chair move. And the chair moves. God's word have power. We don't only see it in creation. We see it in the Bible. We know that words are a tool God uses to bring life. And words are a tool the enemy uses to bring death. We talked about this verse this week in my second grade class. Um, It's in Proverbs 18, 21, and it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I don't know about you, but that feels a little bit overwhelming, right? Especially for somebody who says a lot of words. We have the power to, to give death or life with our words. Our words carry so much more weight than what we think. So, since our words carry so much weight, I want you to think about this. My words matter. Um, I have this, um, I call it a gift, but really I think it probably is the opposite of a gift, maybe annoyance. Um, and so, I know a lot of songs. 
that it relate to scripture or Bible things. Anybody sing the song, oh, be careful little eyes what you see? Okay, oh, be careful little ears what you hear? Or be careful little lips what you? So why would we teach our kids that song? Because we're a good singer? We, we teach children that song because we're trying to say to them, words are really important. Your words matter. How I talk about my marriage matters. How I talk about my children matters. How I talk about my job or your student, your school. How you talk about your friends. What about strangers? The way we speak matters. This is probably the hard one if you're an adult. How I talk about myself matters. After the last um, service, I went through my notes and I spoke and as soon as I was done, I was like, oh, that was terrible. And I felt the Lord say, but don't say that. Talk to yourself in the way that I would tell you to talk to someone, right? Our words matter. What about the way we talk about our future? Maybe you feel hopeless or you're walking through something that is so hard. Words matter. And the Bible talks a lot about words. So if Jesus is about it, we're going to be about it, right? Okay. Um, And so I'm going to pray and then we are going to open it up in the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. Um, And we're going to talk about Pharisees. So bow your head with me. Jesus, we love you. I, I thank you that you give us freedom, that we get to choose if we're going to listen to you, if we're going to choose kind words, I pray for each person in this room, whether they're struggling with um, just a really hard situation in their life, they're, they're lonely and they feel like nobody cares about their words. I pray for the person in the room who really, they don't know you, so they wonder, why do my words matter, God? Use me as only you can. Amen. Aren't you just so glad that the God, God uses us despite us? Yeah, you guys are my second service, so we're going to have to, we're going to have to, okay. First service, yeah, they were tired. It was 9 o'clock in the morning, so understandable. It is 10.30. It is almost 11. So when I say something, at least half smile or nod your head or make, I, I really respond a lot to audience, okay? So um, Matthew was talking in chapter 12 about Pharisees. If you know what a Pharisee is, It's somebody who says something and does something else. We would also call it a hypocrite. So Matthew 12, Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Just a little side note. If everything you say is negative, what does that say about the tree of your heart? Brood of vipers. That's like a family of snakes. It's disgusting. How can you speak good things when you're evil? The mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things for a storeroom of good. An evil person produces evil things from his storeroom. I tell you that one day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be acquitted. By your words, you will be condemned. What is inside of me will come out. So I'm going to share a story. Um, If you promise to not make fun of me, it is a little vulnerable. It was a a weak moment in my life. Are you guys ready for it? Okay. Um, So we moved here five years ago and Sissy, our middle, played rec basketball. Okay. I don't like to say the word rec because it sounds like it's not important. It was very important. 
Okay, I'm going to tell you why in a second. So she was playing rec basketball. I normally, 98% of the time, cheer like, go team, yay, I'm positive. Once in a while, I was, we had moved here. I was lonely. I was a little overwhelmed. I hadn't worked, and I was working full time. I could give you a lot of excuses why I did this, okay? But truthfully, I obviously wasn't in the heart of Jesus. So the ref, they're playing this team. They're super ref. She was in fourth grade. The ref turned around, and the girls were going down the court, and somebody, don't know their name, but I wouldn't tell you anyway. They, they, it was a big child, two-handed pushes Sissy over. Two-handed push. I don't know if you know about basketball. You're not supposed to do that, okay? Um, And she was on the ground crying. And in a moment of weakness and probably trying to stick up for my child, once again, I know it's wrong. I was like, turn around, ref! Probably in that pitch also. But at the moment when I said it, the whole gym was quiet. And I was like, oh, geez Louise, this is going to be bad. Bobby was coaching, and he just gave me a look. And I was like, shoot. You know how sometimes you don't know if you say it out loud? Well, I said it out loud. So immediately, the parents around me who knew me started laughing because I don't normally do that. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I shouldn't have said that. They thought it was so funny. I did not. I was humiliated. After the game, found the ref, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I love Jesus, and I support you in your good and bad calls. I shouldn't have done it. And he was like, I didn't even hear you. So, but I learned my lesson. (laughs) I was so embarrassed, and I had to apologize. And now when I'm in the gym, when I cheer for my kids, I remember that moment of the gym going completely silent and everybody looking at this big old blonde girl screaming at her kid, okay? Um, And she actually had a huge bruise on her hip, so... That, you know, maybe, no, it wasn't deserved. So um, our words are telling of us in the state we're in. My mouth is a really, really accurate gauge of my heart. Your mouth is a really accurate gauge of your heart. How do you speak about Jesus? How do you speak about your church? In Matthew, Jesus was really saying, okay, Pharisees, here is the real problem. You're living life. You're breaking all the laws, and you are acting like you're so holy. Let me tell you, this is partly why my husband and I wanted to start a church. We want it to be a place that will never pretend to know everything. We want a church where you can come where you are and not stay there. But we want to humbly say, God, I don't know. Well, the Pharisees were acting like they did know and then acting like complete idiots and then saying, oh, we love Jesus. Later on in um, Matthew 15, Jesus is saying, well, people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I love this quote. You're going to love it and hate it. You guys ready? Here's the thing, too. When you hear it, we're responsible for it. That's hard. Think before you speak. The words you say can only be forgiven, not forgotten. We often, with our children, um, when we apologize for our words, when when we have a heart check and we we maybe got too upset over something on the floor or we we got too upset for a grade, we go back and we say, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have written that on your heart. And thankfully, Jesus can forgive us, and we can forgive one another. But we can't take back words we say. So my words, 
I want to get out of the trap of using corrupt, hurtful, unkind words. And this all starts with the heart. Um, The first step, obviously, is have you accepted Jesus into your heart? You believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. He rose again, and because you're a sinner, you need him. Here's the cool thing about words. None of us do it perfectly. It's not like, oh, you're better than them. We all struggle with this. But it starts with our heart. And, and, you know, it says in the Bible, our heart is deceitful. But here's the good news. Jesus has given us this amazing book, and a lot of it talks about our heart. So the first step is, do you know God? Do you have a daily relationship or any relationship with Jesus? God makes us a promise that when we know him, says in Ezekiel, I'll give them one heart, a new spirit I'll put in them. I will remove their heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. They shall be my people and I will be their God. So before we get talking about three steps to changing your heart, I want you to think about yourself just for a second. I want you to do a little diagnosis of your heart. Is your heart hard? I I pray about that a lot, um, that I will love people and I will love them well, even when they hurt me. That's hard. But I do believe, this is just a side note, and I'm going to speak for women, girls, because that's what I am. I believe that the devil wants our hearts to be hard because then we posture ourselves and everything we do is out of a hard heart, not a soft heart, not a heart that God can move. And let's be honest, is that hard? That's very hard because we're, we get hurt and um, people speak things on our heart. So we are going to talk about three steps to change your heart. The first one is to hear or study God's word. I wrote next to this point, because I'm not very good at that, okay? Um, I read this awesome story. I don't know anything about a flute, but I love this story. I've not stopped thinking about it all week. We must tune our hearts to hear God's voice. It's a child who is told by his father during a symphony orchestra concert. He said, listen to the flutes in this song, son. Don't they sound amazing and beautiful? The child, unable to distinguish the flutes, looked up at his father with a puzzled look. What flutes, dad? The child first needs to learn what a flute sounds like on its own, separate from the whole orchestra before he's able to hear it in a symphony. So it is with children of God. Unless we take time to hear his voice in the quiet moments of life, we're sure not going to hear him, the symphony and the sound of life. We need to position ourselves close to God. And I think our lives are really loud and really busy. So we say, I don't hear from God, but I think that we don't know what the flutes sound like. I honestly don't know what a flute sounds like. Is it the one that goes like this or the, okay? So I wouldn't be able to pick it out. And and I have friends who come to me and say, sure, well, I don't understand what God's voice sounds like. It's really easy. If you know his voice, you're going to be able to hear it when there's a lot of noise. Who thinks your life is really noisy? I have a noisy life, okay? But I need to train myself 
how to hear God's voice. Or you better believe I'm not going to be able to distinguish it when I am in a hard situation, when I'm in a loud situation. It is very hard for me to sit quietly with the Lord. But I want to position myself close to God. And through his word, he is going to speak. I want God to change the way I think. I want to respond. I want to make decisions. I want to speak. And if I soften my heart, it's a ripple effect. Because remember, our mouth, what comes out is what is in my heart. So if I soften my heart and I put my heart open for God to move in it, my mouth is going to be different. And this practice deepens my love. And you may think, okay, but that is kind of hard. When we love something, we are very vocal about it, right? Okay, when I first started dating Bobby, I wanted everybody to know that I was dating him. I was really vocal about it. When we love Harris Teeter grocery store, we're really vocal about it, okay? When we love a football team, whatever football team you like, are you vocal about it? Or do you just sit going, oh, that was a great play? No? You guys aren't like, yeah! Okay, well, Bobby screams at the TV. So, um, But when we love something, we're vocal about it. And so I'm going to talk about a couple ways of how we can quiet our heart. The first is really easy. I need to move my page. The first is really easy. It says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof and correction, I don't always love the word correction, do you guys? And for training in righteousness, that the man may be equipped for every good work. Maybe when you are, you have a hard heart and you're trying to quiet your heart and you are trying to be ready to hear from Jesus outside of the flutes of life, You think, well, what's the advantage of that? What's the advantage of quieting my heart before God? Let me tell you. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you felt so passionately that God told you to pray for somebody? Okay, that's our quiet heart. Have you ever been driving down the road and you felt the Lord say, you know what? You need to go text that person. Not when you're driving. Dangerous, okay? That is having a quiet and softened heart. There have been times I have been so discouraged and somebody sent me a text or a note or something when it was just the right time. Has that happened to anybody? That is what we're going to hear from a quiet heart. Uh, Some of you, maybe like me, have some friends walking through some really hard things. I want to quiet my heart, not just for myself, but I want to quiet my heart. I want to hear that noise. I want to hear the Holy Spirit so I can intervene for people walking through really hard things. That's what community is about, right? I want to quiet my heart so that I can lead my kids because raising kids is really hard. And we need to quiet our hearts so we don't totally screw them up. I mean, they're all probably going to go counseling anyway, but I want to quiet my heart so that I'm making good choices in what I do with my kids' hearts. I want to quiet my heart so I'm not walking through life just so discouraged. So we're going to quiet our heart. 
One way I do this, um, I, I have a mind that goes about five bazillion miles an hour. And if you've ever talked to me, it's really hard for me to focus on one thing. Um, and so sitting down silently with Jesus is not a practice that's like, oh, that's so easy. That has always been hard for me. Sitting down quietly, period, is hard for me, okay? So what I do is I remove distractions. I will put on a worship song on a speaker, and I'll put my phone in the other room. Because if my phone is near, even if I don't mean to, I'm going to look at it when it dings. So I put a worship song on, kind of calms me down, thinking about Jesus, and then I turn it off. And I usually set a timer. And I just try to quiet my heart and hear from Jesus. I have friends, you guys, that don't know Jesus. I have friends who really need something from the Lord. And I really believe that if I don't take time to quiet my heart for me, that helps me remember that I'm better for them, right? Or maybe I'm walking through something. I need to quiet my heart and hear from Jesus because God is speaking to you. But are you listening? God is speaking to you about leading your family. God is speaking to you. But am I listening? So, number one, quiet our hearts. Some of you, I would say in this room too, we have people who are very good at sitting and quieting their hearts, and we have somebody maybe who has never done it. I always say, do something for seven days and see if it makes a difference. The next one, when you hear this, you're going you're gonna to just close your ears. So I'm just going to tell you right now, okay? Don't close your ears. You guys are really, you're really energetic. I don't even know what to do with it all. I'm like, stop, stop talking. I, I, you can't even hear me. <laughs> the next one is memorizing God's word. Okay, and so I think when I say the word memorization, we think, oh, that's terrible, I hate memorizing. Um, I still remember the prepositions I memorized in lower school, aboard, about, above, across. I'm not a very good memorizer, okay? When I think about memorizing God's word, I'm like, yeah, I don't got time for that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you a couple reasons why you should memorize God's word. I grew up doing a wanna. Did anybody else do a wanna? Last service, I had like two people, okay? So oh, what Awana was is, I actually don't know what the name is because that's an odd name to say out loud, but it was a program that you had books and you memorized scripture. And then they would give you treats and trophies if you memorize the scripture. So I'm not a good memorizer, but I'm very competitive. So you better believe that I got every single trophy that Awana had to offer. But what it did is I have put those verses in my heart. Probably won't know the reference if you tell me. I'm not going to lie, but I know the verse. And here's the cool thing if you haven't started memorizing the scripture. Number one, you can do it. It's really not that difficult. Okay? Number two, put verses around your house. Listen to them. Commit to memorizing one a month. Because here's the cool thing about scripture. You think, sure, well, I have my Bible, so I don't need that. I don't carry around my Bible everywhere I go. Do you guys? When you go to Kroger... Oh, oh, up, oh, try and get that off top shelf. You're supposed to say no. Okay, so I don't carry my Bible around. I know it's on my phone, but let me tell you this. When somebody needs a word and I have memorized God's word and put it in my heart, here's a magical thing. God brings it to my mind when somebody needs it. So once again, you're not only doing this for you, you're doing it for people around you. I'm gonna tell you another thing. We're gonna talk about this in a second. You're caught in a sin struggle. 
Memorize some verses about that sin. And you know what? It is going to make it easier to remember that. We memorize God's word, not just so we can memorize something else, because do we have time for that? No. But we memorize God's word because it is transformative, because it is a two-edged sword, because I want to live a life that isn't about Shira. I want to live a life that's about Jesus. Because here's the thing. There's a lot of weird people in the world. I am the captain of that team. Okay? But it can't be about me. Because if I can talk you into something, somebody can talk you out of it. Right? But I want to have God's word, which is powerful, and be able to give it to you in a moment that you may need it. I want God to renew my mind. I want him to change the way I think. I want decisions to show that I have quieted my heart, that I am memorizing God's word. And there's a couple ways, a couple reasons why we memorize God's word. Okay, actually this many. The first is Jesus memorized scripture. So if Jesus is about it, I want to be about it, which is really hard because Jesus was about some hard things. Jesus says, if somebody is rude to me, I am what? Back. Kind. What in the world? Kind. Everybody say kind. Kind, okay. So Jesus says you need to forgive them. Jesus says you are to be a light. Jesus says, I memorized the Bible, and he actually, in 24 books of the Old Testament, he used it in the New Testament 180 times because it's clear that Scripture is our ultimate authority in life. This should be good enough. I should stop here and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to quiet my heart. I'm going to memorize God's word because Jesus said it. Great Sunday. But I'm going to give you some more because you may need more proof. The second one is it helps with our sense of right and wrong. I have noticed that sometimes if I am around certain things or people, I forget what is truly right or truly wrong. And we can... I could tell you the time about sissy. I could probably convince you that I was right. But if we spend time with Jesus, I was definitely wrong, right? But we want to have a sense of right and wrong. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. We are not fighting one another. We are fighting the devil. And I believe that the devil is trying to distract us so we do not see one another. The devil is trying to cause us to be upset at one another And so it talks about putting on the armor of God. In Psalm 119, it says, how can a young person or old person or really old person stay on the path of purity by living according to his word? The Bible is God's word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And if you really struggle with memorizing, put them to a song. Because there's been many times in my life where I've been so discouraged. And I've always sang this song. It's called I Love You, Lord. And I'm not going to sing it because I sound really bad. But the other day, we were listening to worship music. And I was praying. And the Lord brought that song onto Pandora, who still thinks I live in Tennessee. So it's really odd. Okay? But the Lord uses scripture. The Lord uses songs and people to encourage one another. The third is we want to form a holy habit. My parents used to say this, and I forgot about it till recently, okay? It is not new. Garbage in, garbage out. If I eat Pop-Tarts and McDonald's 
am I going to be just healthy? No. Okay? If I don't ever move my body, am I going to be healthy? No. What we put in comes out. Here's the tricky thing. We don't always know what we're putting out. Um, Bobby and I sometimes will go back and forth, and we did this recently, and he said, hey, I said, what do I need to work on? Which, you know, that's really hard to say. Yeah. Um, and I didn't like what he had to say about me. I really felt like there was going to be nothing he would say. I'm not kidding. I was like, I feel like I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but we started talking about garbage in, garbage out. In Philippians 4, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is just, lovely, think on those Things, that list is not ideal. It is pretty much everything you do. Think about Jesus. We want to memorize God's word because that comes to our mind. Because if we're filling our life with just, I'm going to step on some um, toes of people my age. To me, when I get on Facebook, I'm a horrible person. Because I see what people post and I'm like, they're a great person in real life. But they're so mean on Facebook. If we're memorizing God's word, God is going to bring that to our head and hopefully we will not post something, whether it's true or not. Just because it's true doesn't mean we have to say it out loud. No. I I try to teach that to my kids. You don't lie. If somebody's haircut looks terrible, you don't say that haircut looks terrible. But you don't say I love it either because that's lying. You can say, you know what? I see that you got it cut, and that blue shirt looks beautiful on you. Just because it's true does not mean we have to say it out loud. Just because your opinion is really important. If Jesus sat with you at your computer, would you type that email? Would you post that rant? I am so glad I can't vote. I have a green card, so it's awesome. Because I'm like, anything political, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't vote. That's great. Just because it's really you're passionate about it doesn't mean we need to say it. Because we don't always know what people are walking through. But we want to form a holy habit. We want to dwell on the positive things. Because if we dwell on things that are not from Jesus and that make our heart hard, what are we going to talk like? A hard-hearted person. I did not appreciate what my husband had to say about me um, a few weeks ago when we did this. And I was very upset. Thankfully, I shut my mouth, but honestly, really more out of stubbornness because I was so mad. But I went for a run, kind of. I mean, I'm walking and running, so we're going to call it a run. I went for a run, um, more a jog and a walk, okay? I went for a run, and I listened to music, and by the time I got back to the house, I was like, you know what? He is right. I hate when he's right. What about you? You think, I don't know if I have a hard heart. I don't know how I come across. If you have a dear friend or a spouse, or somebody who loves you, they'll be honest with you in a godly way. Because the last thing we need is a bunch of more Christians who are rude, right? The last thing we need is to walk around this earth with hard hearts. So we're going to quiet ourselves. We're going to make even a few minutes of listening to God's word. We're going to memorize God's word. Because it's important. The third thing is we're going to speak God's word. Am I speaking God's word naturally 
throughout my day. Well, we all know that words spoken in really tragic moments are powerful. So why do we think that our words don't have power? In Psalm 19, it says, May the words of my mouth, our family, we say this verse a lot. I say to myself a lot. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. Sometimes my problem is not my words. It's my heart. It is the things I don't say. And when people say, Shira, you have no filter. You say everything. I'm like, oh, that was filtered. That was like filtered three times. Okay? May the words of my mouth, yeah, I can stop the words, but what about the meditation of my heart? When somebody does something awesome and I say, oh, it wasn't that good. When somebody around me gets lifted up and I say, well, they didn't deserve it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh God. And just side note for that, I'm responsible to Jesus when I go to heaven someday. And he is going to say, hopefully, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But I'm responsible for what I say. And that is, that kind of makes me feel a little sick to my stomach. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God. Pleasant words, oh, I got a song for this one. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the taste and healthy to the body. My friend actually taught me this song. Okay, and we sing a lot in our house. If you've been in our house, you've probably heard us sing it. Kind words are like honey. Kind words are like honey. Kind words are like honey. Girls, Proverbs 16, 24. They were all singing. You just couldn't hear them. Just kidding. I think they were all embarrassed. Kind words are like honey. In a world where, would you guys agree, our world is not very kind, we can be honey. I actually sometimes like when people don't like me because I'm like, I'm I, you should like me. I'm a nice person. And I try to be so kind. I'm like, I'm going to kill you with kindness. It has not been 100% um, success. But I mean, it's high, okay? Kind words are like honey. How are my words? Is my soul healthy? Is my heart healthy? Are, Are my words hard to be around? Am I angry, tired, overwhelmed? There's another verse in our house we memorize, and it's in Ephesians, and it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but for building others up. Wow, unwholesome talk is hard. You think, what's unwholesome talk? Anything, remember, death, life. What do you think is unwholesome? Death. To take it all back, everything we do is either right or wrong. I don't want unwholesome talk to come out of my mouth? Does this bless? Does this benefit? And here's the thing, guys. We all do this. When you make a mistake, instead of being proud, just apologize immediately. Ah, oh, shouldn't have said that. Let me tell you, I'll probably never yell in the gym like I did that night because the, the outcome was embarrassing. What about in your marriage? You were in a habit of saying things to each other out of anger, out of hurt, You know that anger is, anger and hurt are right by each other, right? So most of the time when we say something, it's because of our hurt. What if we, instead of being offended, we said, well, I'm going to be like honey to you. I'm going to speak kind to you. 
But what if we just apologize, but we remember how ridiculous it made us feel. When Bobby and I first got married, um, I'd moved away from my family. I was in a different country. There was a lot of like, oh my word, what in the world is happening? And I remember I got so mad at him one time. I went and sat in the closet and it's not like a walk-in closet. It's like the door that opens and like not even opens. The bifold doors that open, okay? And I moved the clothes over and sat in the closet because I was so mad. And I remember thinking, Lord, I thought marriage was going to be perfect, that we would never disagree. What can you do in your life to quiet your heart? What can you do to memorize scripture? What can you do to speak God's word? It is awkward, okay? I pray every time I get in the car. I got in a really bad car accident nine years ago. It is kind of awkward. I'm not going to lie. I remember when the Whites first moved here, I was taking Connor home and I prayed and I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to think I'm a wackadoodle. It's going to be awkward sometimes, but how can you speak life into the situation? Not in a pharisaical way, like I know everything, so be like me, but in a way of, what's going on? What are you walking through? How can I pray with you? How can you make room for Jesus? And I often say this, you guys, my life is very, I don't like to say busy, I like to say full. My life is very full. I would say everybody in this room's life is full. If it's not, um, I have some things you could help me with, okay? My life is very full, but I make time for everything that's important to me. None of us have more hours than the other. Are you making time for Jesus? Are you memorizing God's word? Are you speaking God's word? I would say, guys, and all of these needs start at home. We all let down our guards at home. But also, our family sees the worst of us, right? Are you speaking God's word? Are you breathing life into the chaos that you're around? Are you giving Jesus' peace in crushing circumstances? Thumbs up if you know somebody going through a crushing circumstance right now. Are you forgiving when somebody didn't ask for it? Are you forgiving when somebody said something that was really hurtful? It is one step at a time. Honestly, I think the Christian life is like two step forwards, one and three quarters step back. I have been following Jesus for since I was five. 37 years. I do math on my hand. If you don't, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and let me tell you, I, I will tell you that the breakthroughs I've had have been with quieting my heart, memorizing scripture, and speaking God's word. And I have said this, and I will say it over and over. This church is special, not because of the staff members. This church is special because we're uniting, saying we're going to go into that world, and we're going to be like Jesus even when it's hard, even when we feel like we're going to throw up. We are going to be bold. We are going to be forgiving. People are going to look at us and say they are different. They are not a Pharisee. They don't speak beautifully and behind the scenes act like they don't even know Jesus. But it starts with just small steps. Is my heart hard or is it soft? Sometimes, like I said earlier, You may not even know your heart is hard. 
Here's the cool thing, though. It says in James, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Maybe you know you need to forgive somebody. Do we not have the best thing in the whole world to walk through this life with? We have Jesus. When you feel like you have nobody else, even if your heart is hard, hard, Jesus is right there. He's not scared of that. Even if you're so angry, it took everything to come to church today. Jesus isn't scared of that. You are running and you are trying out the world and you think the world is fun. Jesus is still there. You feel like nobody loves you. Jesus does. You yelled like a wackadoodle at a basketball game. Jesus wasn't embarrassed of me. But he softly said, Shira, that's not who you are. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to think today. I want you to think, Lord, where am I? Do I spend time with you, God? Are we quieting our hearts? Lord, I pray for each person in this room, from the youngest to the oldest. I, I, I pray right now, God, for the situations people are walking through maybe nobody else knows about. I pray for your peace, for your strength. I pray you will be with each situation in this room. I pray for the person in this room who doesn't know you and they're <clears throat> trying to figure out if they want to follow you. <coughs> God, I pray that we will be different we will not live a pharisaical life, that we will live a life that is by no means perfect, but our heart is soft and we are on a mission, God, to tell everybody we know about you, that you will heal the marriages in this room, that the words are not great with one another, that you will put your hand over your, our mouth, God, that you will stop us from saying things that will write on people's heart, that we will have self-control on our phone with social media, with emails and texts, God, that we will live a life that people stop and say, look at Jesus. God, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for loving us when we don't deserve it. You are so good, God. Let us be a change that the world needs to see. Soften our hearts, God. Bring them to you. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.